0: What's up, everyone? Alex here, host of Jitsu Radio Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Choke Aloha. If you head over to chokealoha.com and use the promo code Jujitsu Radio, you automatically will get 10% off your entire order. They are an awesome company with a lot of really cool and unique designs, uh, apparel, and accessories, and keychains, and stickers, and stuff like that. That's all about the Jujitsu lifestyle. They are an awesome, awesome group of people. So be sure to support them. So thank you again to Choke Aloha for the sponsorship and for supporting the podcast. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to everyone that's been uh, messaging me or posting comments and reviews on iTunes and Instagram and Facebook and all the other stuff. We've gotten a lot of good, positive reviews, and I really appreciate all the commentary uh, and all the tips and stuff we got that anybody's given me. Um, I really, really appreciate it, and uh, it means a lot to me that something that I do for fun is actually, uh, you know, people find very entertaining, and people have been asking for the next episode. So here it is. I apologize. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. I'll get into as to why in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Don't forget to uh, tune in for the playlist. This week's uh, training playlist is actually a little bit different than what I've been doing, uh, I'm going to push you guys to check out War Porn Industries uh, mixtape. That's a, uh, a mixtape put together by Everlast, uh, Sick Jack and, and Divine Styler. Uh, Everlast uh, has been pushing this. It's really, really sick. You guys can go download the mixtape for free at WarPornIndustries.com. I'm trying to see if I can use one of the tracks here for the intro, so hopefully you guys dig it. But once again, I'll be doing a, uh, a different uh, playlist or mixtape uh, every uh, episode for you guys to tune into and listen to either while you're training, while you're drilling, or working out or running, whatever it is that you want to do. Just something extra that I like to do because I definitely have a, a big uh, love for music. And uh, if you guys have a band that you want to push or that you are in or that you think would be cool to uh, to share with everybody, please message me. Uh, I'd be more than glad to listen to it, and if I like it, if I think that other people would like it, I'd be more than happy to push it. So check it out, warpointindustries.com, the Warpoint Industries Mixtape. Uh, be Real is on one of the tracks, too, and it's just sick. Uh, I definitely think you guys would dig it. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone uh, for tuning in, and uh, let's just get right into it. Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu Radio Podcast. This is uh, episode three. Uh, This is going to be a solo podcast. Uh, You know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for me, so I haven't been able to get anybody to do another episode just yet just because my schedule has been so hectic. But I do have a couple of episodes lined up that you guys are really going to dig. In the meantime, just to kind of give you an idea how crazy my – past few weeks have been um i do a lot of mma photography and jiu-jitsu photography and videos and stuff like that uh, so i work with a lot of the uh the local uh mma organizations uh that put on events. one of the bigger ones is titan fc and we had titan fc 44 which was super crazy there was a great build up to it it was a champion versus champion fight card uh Jose Shorty Torres fought far Card Sherpoff to become the first time double uh, weight class champion for Titan FC. Um, that was an amazing fight. If you guys have Fight Pass, go check it out. The whole card is up there. You know, Congratulations to, to Shorty on the win. Um, I feel bad because I'm friends with both Shorty and Sherpoff. Sherpoff I think, definitely got a little bit uh, on the edge of what he should have won, but you know, it's, that's just my opinion. Fuck do I know. Uh, but I think it was an awesome fight either way. Um, so hopefully you guys check it out. See if you, uh, if you dig it. And, uh, another fight that was awesome on there was, uh, Demarcus Jackson, good friend of mine, won his fight in just over a minute with an insane uppercut knockout. Again, Go check it out on uh, UFC Fight Pass. It was great. If you guys want to check out the photos that I took at the event, at the at Fight Night, go to the Titan FC Facebook page. All the photos are up there. You can also check out the Instagram page. Uh, every once in a while, we will keep on putting more and more of the photos up. But if you want to check out the whole card, go check it out on the Titan FC Facebook page. Uh, I also worked on the uh, XFN fight um, on XFN 15, I think it was. Uh, up in Palm Beach. I did XFN 14. I haven't done any of the XFN fights in a while, but, uh, Daniel K puts on this card. Uh, it's an amazing organization. And the next one that's coming up is actually pretty cool too, because, uh, it's going to be a, uh, a championship kind of tournament card where the winner of this, uh, of the last fight is going to win a Titan FC contract, which is huge. There's, uh, there's not that many, if any, uh, amateur organization that has that up as a prize for a win as far as i know so shout out to daniel k at xfn for for really you know doing something different not just putting on the regular you know piece of crap shows that you go to some redneck bar to watch a bunch of like fat fucks beat each other up after you know only being at the gym for two months he puts on a legit quality show um and I think he streams a lot of the cards. So just follow XFN on Facebook and Instagram. I think you guys will dig it. So I had to work on those cards. Again, those photos are up on XFN as well. Uh, another cool thing um, that I, I've been working on the past uh, couple of months, uh, one of my friends and clients, uh, Volkan Oezmir for uh, the UFC, uh, fought uh, Misha Sirkunov and cemented his spot at the number five in the light heavyweight division. Defeated Misha in 28 seconds with a great just pivot right hook to the side of the dome Uh, So congratulations to Vulcan Um, So I've been working with Vulcan on doing a lot of his video stuff Uh, If you go to his YouTube channel, you'll see it uh, do a lot of his photos too. So congratulations to Vulcan Also, I got to work with Linton Vassil from uh, Excuse me from uh, Bellator who won his fight and now is in title contention which he technically should have been on along anyway. So, congratulations to Linton and also happy birthday. Um, really happy that I get to work with guys that are just at the top of their game and at the top of the uh, the sport in general. So, please, guys, make sure you give them a follow. Um, back to the XFN fights. It's pretty crazy because in the XFN fights, there is a couple of quick stoppages because of injury. It wasn't even knockouts or anything like that. Uh, one of the guys, um, people thought that he was about to have a heart attack. He just screamed and it stopped and this fight was actually, uh, rescheduled from XFN 14 because of just uh, medical stoppage. So hopefully, uh, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but hopefully he's doing all right. and He's healing up. I think it was probably a rip, but I believe the fight right after that, another guy got injured. He was about to win. He had a guillotine rolled into the mount. So he had the mounted guillotine. And um, I don't know I don't know where he just screamed and he tore out his own shoulder popped out his own shoulder He was just holding on to the guillotine so hard and cranking on it so hard that he hurt himself more than his opponent uh, Sad to see it happens. It's part of the technique part of you know the adrenaline kicks in and uh, you know I feel bad for the guy so hopefully they heal up Um Another big thing that happened since the last podcast, obviously, is IBJJF Worlds. Now, I'm not going to get into it. Um, as a blue belt, obviously, I can't really sit there and analyze all the, the higher-up guys. But I do have my opinion because, as can be expected with any IBJJF tournament, there's always going to be some controversy. Um a lot of big things that happen at Worlds and Flow Grappling has pretty much all the matches, as far as I know, up for you to watch. Uh, Patrick Gaudio dislocated Romulo Barral's foot at the end of the match. Uh, far be it for me to criticize any black belt, especially someone like, uh, like Romulo, but you know, it was at the end of the match. He could have tapped, um, but what can you do? You know, he just ended up hurting uh, his own foot. Uh, and it wasn't even the finals. If it was the finals, I'd understand it a little better. But, you know, there's no point in having to take six to eight weeks out just because, you know, someone got the foot lock in and you didn't want to tap. But, again, I'm not a, a, a world champion. fuck do I know? Um, another cool thing, Bouchesha achieves uh, ten world titles, five in the in a weighted class, five in an open weight. And the only other person to do that is Hadja Gracie. And coincidentally enough, Roger and Buchecha are going to be in a super fight on July 23rd at the Gracie Pro. So, you know, I have I was fortunate enough to meet Buchecha a couple years ago in Brazil at uh, UFC Sao Paulo. That's a whole different story how we got to meet, but a super nice guy. Um, congratulations to him. Um, pretty cool that the award that they have now for open weight is that ring. Uh, so congratulations to Buchecha. Uh also, another awesome thing that happened is a good friend of mine, uh, Mikey Musumichi, defeats uh, Joao Miao, becomes the first American in, what, 10 years? Um, and the fourth American overall to ever have won Worlds. The only other guys were BJ Penn, uh, Rafael Lovato, and Robert Drysdale. So not only is Mikey the the fourth ever, first in 10 years, but he's also the youngest to win uh, Worlds, the youngest American, I should say, to win the Worlds. Um, So congratulations to Mikey. I've had the opportunity to train with him and learn from him um, for a while. The kid puts so much work, and for someone to not only be in college and be a world champion athlete training two, three times a day, uh, I mean, you can't rival that work ethic. You just can't, and you know and it takes a, a very driven person to do that. Um, so, congratulations to Mikey. Congratulations to everybody else that competed. So let's let's really dig into though what the biggest controversy really was at Worlds, and that is the bad referee and coaches. Some coaches getting preferential treatment. Um, you know one thing that you always do have to consider when it becomes when it comes to IBJJF tournaments or pretty much any jiu-jitsu tournament really is referees making mistakes we're all humans we make mistakes you know these guys don't make a lot of money they 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 put in their time uh, obviously they have to follow the rules seminars and this that, and the other they make mistakes however there's certain mistakes that are just like you can't do like look I've been on the upside of a referee screwing up where I got points or I got, you know, I kind of got away with something I shouldn't have gotten away with. And I've also been on the bad side of it where I didn't get my points. I didn't give my advantages. I got, you know, warned for something or I got a penalty for something. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why am I all of a sudden not getting these points? So it's not so much as the bad referee as much as it is the inconsistencies. But – one thing that does piss me off is, you know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt on when making mistakes, but there's certain things that if you get DQ'd for what looked like to me an illegal technique, if I'm not going to say any names because I'm not going to try and like sound like I'm shit talking, because I'm not shit talking the, the coaches or the athletes by any means. It's really the referee that's fucking up. And this isn't a referee that just fucked up once, he's fucked up before and it's been on camera before. You just gotta do your research and you'll see it. Um, The fact is, is that if you tap before the referee can DQ uh, your opponent, then you lose. So it's really all about timing. So let's say I go to do a knee bar, and I'm not, obviously I'm a blue belt, I can't do knee bars, but all the referee sees is the kid tapping, well, guess what? you tapped before the referee can make the judgment call. I get it. That's kind of fair. But it's still not fair if someone is doing an illegal technique. You know, if I look at it it, with that regulation, with that rule, if I want to play a shitty game, then all I have to do is wait for the right time to pull a heel hook, really crank it hard as I can, as fast as I can, get you to tap before the referee has a chance to call me out on it. Guess what? I fucking won. So if that's the case, then I might as well just do dirty shit at every every round and work my way up to the end. That's kind of fucked up. So that's something that they need to take care of because that's bullshit. If you tap out to an illegal technique, you're not tapping out. You're really defending yourself. And I've seen it before where referees have you know, said, oh, hey, guy, you know what? You did an illegal technique. The guy tapped you doing something stupid. Uh, he wins. You lost. That's being fair to me. People are arguing though it wasn't a knee bar he's going to 50 50 like no you can get excuse me you can get a knee bar without having to pinch your knees all right you can't tell me you weren't doing a knee bar when you double-handed grab somebody's heel pull back and arch your back no it doesn't work that way so even with that aside all right the ref calls it a DQ which that to me would have been the real fair call All of a sudden the coach starts complaining, again, not going to say any names, I'm not shit talking to the coach by any means, the coach is doing his job. There's signs everywhere that says do not talk to the referees. So all of a sudden this referee goes to talk to the coach. Then he goes and he gets the head referee. They sit there and discuss things and then the referee goes back, changes the call. Again, yes, it goes by the rule book, but that's a shitty call to make. You tapped to an illegal technique. You can't say that he wasn't doing a knee bar. If you, there's videos, go check it out. I'm also kind of upset that they're sitting there and taking down the clips and, and the comments that people are making like they're trying to cover something up. That's just way too shady to me. But whatever. The other thing that pisses me off about the situation, and far be it for me to comment or criticize any black belt, but there's a lot of people that are sitting there and saying that you shouldn't be bad-mouthing referees. Fuck you. I can fucking say whatever the fuck I want. If I see something that's shady or that's shitty, I'm going to call out the ref. If Herb Dean made a bad call on a UFC fight, you would sit there and say shit to him. 100%. That's just the way it is. It's called being fair. Don't sit there and say, I can't criticize a ref. I can't criticize a ref for no fucking reason. Absolutely, you're right. But don't tell other people that they can't criticize a ref that made a bad fucking call. They weren't going for 50-50. You know, they... The kid was doing exactly what he knew he was doing. He's a blue belt under a very prestigious school, a prestigious coach. He's won tournaments before, so you can't tell me he didn't know what he was doing. He might have made a mistake, but you can't tell me he didn't know, like what he was doing. Um, you know, there was a uh, I think it was last year. There was a referee in Spain, somewhere in Europe, where he was refereeing a white belt match. White Belt goes and he slams down his opponent, knocks him the fuck out, and just doesn't even pay attention. He didn't even realize the kid was out for a while. It's like, that's bad refereeing. Call that fucking guy out. That guy shouldn't be refereeing if he's not stopping people from getting hurt. Your job there is to, yes, call the points, but if you see something that's not going to end well, that's your fucking job. you got to protect the athletes because there's going to be dicks that are going to come out and do stupid shit like, I remember the guy, the I think it was a purple belt. He was known for doing stupid shit where as soon as someone would go for a takedown, he would pretend to kick them in the face and get instantly DQ'd. Like, your job as a referee is to make sure that people aren't doing that kind of stuff. So, again, that's just my my take on it uh, as far as Worlds. Everything else seemed to go pretty cool. I didn't get to watch it. Um, there's a lot of great photography from Mike Columbus and uh, Lisa Lisa Picks. So go and check them out. Go support them. Uh, with that being said, again, congratulations to everyone that won. Let's get into the real nitty gritty of what this podcast is all about, which is sponsorships. So, to give you guys an idea of my marketing background and experience, and as to who the fuck I am to tell you guys about what it takes to get a sponsorship, uh, I spent the majority uh, of my life, the, the last 16, 17 years, uh, working in various aspects of sports and music marketing. Um, I've worked with a lot of major artists doing everything from international uh, promotions, album promotions, going on tours, uh, recording albums, and working sponsorship deals in particular with uh, music artists and athletes. Um, the past few years, uh, specifically, I spent a lot of my time working with pro- professional MMA fighters, uh, jiu fighters, And other athletes uh, and working on their branding and marketing in general. So needless to say I am very well familiar with the intricacies of sponsorships from both the athlete side and a sponsor or business owner side. One of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to athletes regardless of whatever sport that you uh, do or you compete in is that A lot of people have a self-entitled sense that something is owed to them. The closed-mindedness of that approach uh, will hurt you in any business deal that you do. Um, The idea that you should get something or everything for nothing instantly leaves your would-be sponsor with a bad taste in their mouth. Now That doesn't mean that you should brush off or forget about the adversities and things you've had to do to overcome uh, challenges in your life to be able to compete and become a professional athlete. You should always, always demand what you're worth. However, you also need to be honest with yourself about what you are really worth. Not only that, but sometimes you even have to take into consideration maybe this company can't afford you just yet, but... It might be a good business move in the long run because you know they're a brand new company, or maybe they're going through a transition in the business where you know they're they're revamping their whole branding. They can't afford to pay you this much money just yet. You know, you're gonna have to take a step back and just bite your lip and and kind of take a step back from here. You're gonna say, Hey, you know, guys, I understand you can't pay me this much, but maybe you know we can work something out that we revisit the payment structure in a couple of months. Always, always keep a a mindfulness on the fact that a long-term deal uh, can sometimes supersede the quick money grab. You might set yourself up better long-term than you would say, okay, well just give me this much money, and then you know in a couple of months I'll just bail out, whatever. Um, when you approach a business with the the mind that you guys need to pay me this much if you want to work with me it instantly sets off red flags with a sponsor especially if you haven't done anything in your career worth writing home about you know if you're a fucking nobody there's no reason why someone's even gonna consider giving you what you demand um, if you don't have the clout um, in the culture, No one's going to sit there and be like, you know, maybe it is worth us paying this much money to to work with this person. A business, if you approach a business like that, any businessman or woman, they're automatically going to think, holy crap, if this person is already acting like this brat where they're just demanding stuff and they haven't even done anything for us yet, then it's probably better off that we do not work with this person. Um, Be grateful at the opportunity that someone's giving you because everybody's fighting for a spot. To take a sponsorship, and if you're gonna be, you know, selfish and ignorant to the deal, then you know, don't don't bitch and complain when you don't end up getting a sponsor. Um, you have to remember that you are a walking billboard. Let's just call it what it is: a sponsorship is nothing more than an athlete working for a business as their walking billboard. You are a physical manifestation of the feelings or experiences consumers could possibly achieve by purchasing this product. Your face, who you are and what you do, when you put your name up to that or your face up to that and you hold that product or whatever it is that the sponsor is telling you to push, you're giving people the sense that, hey, I can relate to that guy and if that's what he uses, that's what I should use. Or I relate to that girl, she's very happy, she's positive and she uses that product. Then maybe I'll be just as good as she is, or you know, maybe she's my idol. That's who I want to be like. So you have to be wary of that. Look at what happened with uh, with Tiger Woods. When he screwed up the first time, everybody took a step back. John Jones screwed up; all his sponsors just dropped him. You know, Nike kind of stayed with Tiger, I believe. I can't remember. But look at what happened now. He got a he got stopped for the DUI. He's saying it was whatever uh, medication that he was on. But then you see that that arrest photo, and you're like, mm, maybe that's not someone that I want to model myself after, or maybe that's not someone that I want my kids looking at as a role model. So you have to remember, you are a physical personification of what someone's product could be. So if you're gonna be a dick, no one's gonna want to be. Oh, I want to be like that guy. So sponsors are very, very mindful of that. There are many facets of a sponsorship that most people do not take into consideration. The fact that most athletes cannot see things from a business owner's point of view is a huge mistake, which leads them to be perceived as ignorant, uh, egotistical, or just um, uneducated to the way business works. The more you know the more tools you have to work business deals now i can't guarantee that if you follow all the stuff that i say that you're going to automatically get a sponsorship uh, or have sponsors coming at you left right and center but what i can say is that if you follow these next couple of steps and analyze your marketing and how you market yourself or how you do things um, via social media You're definitely going to increase your chances of picking up a sponsorship. If not that, you're at least going to be able to to really take these tools that are out there for you to use and and, uh, maximize them to their potential for what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, You have to remember that, unfortunately, we're at a point in time when it comes to athletic careers that you can't just specialize in one thing. You can't just be this awesome athlete. You have to be a fighter, you have to be a promoter, you have to be a businessman or woman, you have to be your own marketing agency, and all other things all at once. You don't have to be the best at all those other things, but you have to have a good, basic, and conceptual understanding at all the moving parts. The lingo, the trends, the... the you know, the new apps, the the new um, marketing tools or way to, to advertise yourself. You have to be wary of that. So when you do get to a point that you start working on bigger deals with bigger companies or bigger organizations and people come up to you and start throwing all these buzzwords at you, it's, it's kind of like they're jingling keys in front of you. You're not going to just sit there and be stuck in awe and just be, yeah, yeah, oh, that sounds awesome. They say they're going to do this, that, and the other. No. You're going to understand what they're talking about. You're going to be educated. And then you're going to be able to work the deal saying, okay, well, I understand you guys want to give me this much. What are you guys going to do to to promote me in this route? Are you guys going to promote me in social media? What's your social media compared to my social media, like followers and statistics and this, that, and the other? The more that you educate yourself on the way things really work, the better you are. Then when you get to the point where you need to hire someone, you're going to be able to know, okay, this is what this person does. I understand what they do. I may not know all the intricacies, but I know that they're good at it. And they're not just bullshitting me because you and I both know that there's a lot of people out there. And I've worked with a lot of people like that who just like to throw buzzwords at you just to be like the sales pitch. And, you oh, wow, this person sounds like they know what they're talking about. They're using all these buzz like buzzwords and, and really like catchy words that I always hear people say. They're going to know what they're talking about. And next thing you know, you get shafted. So with that being said, sit down, shut the fuck up, step back from your ego, just pay attention and take notes. And let's see where we go with this. So very beginning, part one, before you even get close to emailing anybody about giving me a sponsorship, sit down and look at things from their point of view. Think you're contacting me saying hey I want you to sponsor me. Who the fuck are you? Who are you? I don't know you. As of right now you're just someone emailing me asking me for money. You know why should I care? What makes you any different than any other jujitsu athlete or fighter or MMA fighter or competitor for any other sport? Who are you? I do not know you. So tell me who you are. Why should I a business uh, owner who buys a patch for ten dollars suddenly that patch costs me five hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month. So you can wear it on your back. Like, why should I do that? Who are you to make me want to turn a ten-dollar piece of cloth into a thousand-dollar a month investment? You have to be somebody important for me as a business owner to make that decision. Jiu-jitsu and MMA is growing at a you know, a rapid pace and it's still a very small niche at the same time. So there is a lot of competition and there are a lot of people that are doing the exact same thing. So what separates you from the hundreds of other people that are contacting me as a business owner on a daily basis, asking me to pay them so you can put my patch on your back and you're just going to show it to all your 500 something Instagram followers. Who are you? You need to establish who you are as an individual, as an athlete, and as a business because if you're going to ask someone for money or for some sort of compensation, you are now a business. So who are you? Sit down and tell me who you are. What have you achieved? So, you won a handful of local tournaments? Awesome, that's great. Let me hear some more. I want to see what you got. Like, let me see what the tournaments were. You competed in your first tournament as a white belt, and then you got fifth place? Mm, Probably not going to waste my time talking to you. That's just on achievements alone. Don't expect to get something when you're a nobody. That's just the way it is. You know, yes, we see. These white belts on Instagram, all of a sudden they're having sponsors and stuff like that. Most likely they're very pretty girls who are sitting there and just kind of modeling things. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about legit athletes who have been putting in time and effort and they're doing things the right way and not just hoeing themselves out for lack of a better uh, analogy. Now, just because... You've won a couple of tournaments and you know you are co- creating a couple of uh, waves in the scene, doesn't mean you're automatically going to get sponsorship. However, you do have to look at it on the long term aspect of it. Uh, for example, uh, there was a recent blog on alldaybjj.com where Bear Quintaga, who is the owner of Show Your Old, talks about how he first saw Bushesha compete at Brown Belt in 2010 however Bear didn't get a chance to work with Bouchesha and sponsor him until last year now granted this is Bouchesha he has been working with other companies uh, over the past few years obviously we know that but the fact is is that his work output um, as far as Bouchesha obviously is recognizable people know who he is so the second that he was free for other people to work with him, the number one, if not you know the all-time number one jiu-jitsu company um, automatically picked him up. So it's the same thing. You have to put in the work. You, know, you can't be one of those flash in the pan kind of people. There's a lot of people who that you know will probably, oh, this person was sponsored left, right, and center, but now I don't hear about them anymore. Do they even train anymore? So. The longer that you are putting yourself out there, the more chances you are uh, in the opportunity of getting a sponsorship. Another example of a good athlete to kind of pay attention to is another show your role athlete, Tubby Santana. Now, Tubby has been making moves in Jiu Jitsu for quite a long time. She's competed, she's won a lot of tournaments. However, she doesn't need to be doing all the big IBJJF tournaments all the time she does a lot of the smaller tournaments too and sure enough she puts in the work she makes the moves, she gets the attention so you don't have to think like damn I got to go win world five times to, to get a sponsorship come on well no that's not the case but if you put in the work and you're sitting there and constantly in people's faces and you're constantly winning things here or placing there You're going to get attention, and that's the attention that sponsors need to have from someone that they sponsor. If you're nobody, if no one ever sees you, no one's going to care, okay? So you're a top dog at your gym in the middle of, you know, backwoods, Kentucky, probably not going to be as easy to get a sponsorship as someone's like, okay, well, you know, you're competing in all these random tournaments, and you keep on placing first, well, then, course I'm gonna sit there and, and give you some money or give you some some gear to put on um, you don't have to compete though that's the big key that people don't realize you do not have to constantly be competing to give value to a sponsor you could impact the jujitsu community in other ways um, you know the stuff that you post maybe you're a positive and inspirational person um, Take, for for instance, someone like James Foster, who's another show-your-roll athlete. Not that I'm, like, pushing show-your-roll all of a sudden, but he's just another example who is, yes, he's competed in big tournaments. Yes, he's won some big tournaments. But the big thing about Foster is that he's constantly putting himself out there. He's a good coach. He's, a, he's got great technique. But he is constantly reaching out and spreading positivity. He's constantly doing seminars or fundraisers to help his students or to help uh, friends or people just in the jiu-jitsu community alone that need help. He is willing to go out of his way to sit there and do something positive. And that inspires people. That motivates people. That brings in other people to constantly look at what he's doing because he's active on and off social media he's active in the community and that's the big key if you're asking to to be someone who advertises a product to a certain community and you're not active in that community there's no reason why anyone's going to sit there and give you their products to push they're not going to pay you who are you you're, you're reaching out to nobody you're talking to the wind and no one wants to sit there and waste money like that so like i said go look at foster go look at see what he does um the fact that he's active in the jiu-jitsu niche is another way of showing that you don't need to compete and you can brand yourself a certain way. And because he's branded himself, not that he's done it willingly or you know mindfully that like I'm just going to brand myself as this positive guy. He's just a genuine positive guy and that attracts people. That's also going to attract a sponsor that want to be associated with that kind of mindset. So be an active uh, participant in the community, whether it's MMA, whether it's Jiu-Jitsu, or boxing, or kickboxing. Be active in the community, and you'll get your benefits, your rewards from it because people are going to come at you more and more, saying, "Hey, you know, I noticed you're really active. I know that you see, you've seen what's happened. What do you think about such and such?" Um, The more active you are and the more face you have in the community, the less of a chance that a sponsor is going to say, who the fuck are you, when you contact them asking for a sponsorship. So be wary of that. So now let's say, all right, you've established who you are, you establish what you're about. Um, You know, you're a positive person or you're a harsh competitor, You, you fight to the finish every time, you always go for the submission. All right, cool. I dig that. I dig what you're about. Now, as a business owner, I want you to tell me what target market are you able to give me access to? Like, do you know who your fan base is? Is it more females than male? Is it more male than female? Is it about equal? What are the What's the age range of the people that are looking at your social media? Is it a lot of young kids, eighteen year olds, or is it a lot of older people? What is the engagement of your audience? Do a lot of people contact you or or post comments on any time you make a social media post or any time you post a video? Do you know those numbers? Because those are statistical numbers. The ability to statistically show your social reach is a huge factor on not only what you can provide to the sponsor, but what type of content you should provide to your followers. So if you know who's following you, You're going to know, hey, these people are going to like probably more of this kind of post or that kind of post. And as long as it correlates to who you are and it's not fake, you're going to get a big, big response about it. Now, whether you have a few hundred followers or one million followers, having an in-depth knowledge of who's viewing your content gives you a much better understanding and it also allows you a... uh, Hey, a better communication with your sponsor of being able to sit there and say, hey, guys, if you sponsor me, you're going to have access to this many people who coincidentally is also your target market because the products that you put out coincide with what these people are into. That is the big part of it. If let's say my main following is males 25 to 40, That's the age range of people that follow my social media. There's no way in hell that a female uh, centered product or brand is going to sponsor me. So, why would I contact them or vice versa? If I know my, you know, if I am a, a female competitor and I know that a majority of my following is going to be, you know, females. I'm probably not going to be asking to be sponsored by you know, a boxer company, maybe a company that makes sports bras that stay on better or you know, someone that, that sells something to keep my hair from going all over the place when I'm rolling. That's probably going to give you a better chance of a, a relationship with a sponsor. So you have to know what you're getting yourself into and you have to know who better connects with who you are as a person now i know that diving into the world of social media marketing can seem overwhelming but there's a ton of tools out there that can help you get your feet wet or help you understand things better you can google stuff you can youtube stuff Um, if that's still too much for you there's always a way to get a hold of a professional someone who works in social media marketing and ask them to give you a consultation maybe you know they're going to try and sell you on or oh, let me handle your social media marketing which you know if you're looking for a sponsorship you're probably not going to be able to afford but you might be able to afford a consultation just a, you know an hour or two here and there to tell you what you're doing right what you're doing wrong and obviously pay them think of it as an investment if you're looking for a sponsorship you have to treat yourself like a business so invest in your business pay a professional that knows more than you do and ask them for advice. Don't be a dick and do the whole, oh, hey buddy, what's going on? Hey, you wanna grab a cup of coffee and let's catch up? And then when you go and meet up, hey, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong with my social media? No, that's not gonna work and that's the fastest way to lose your, your business connection than to lose friends because that's just using people. So take the time, put money aside, invest in your business. If you don't know it, maybe you have a friend that knows a little bit more, and if they're willing to do it, ask them for help. Now, you know who you are. You know your your statistics of, you know, who your fan base is, if you have a fan base, or people that follow you, or whatever you have access to. Now you have to give them something of value. A lot of people make the mistake of taking this information about, you know, who who people are that are following them and what they want to see and then they're like oh okay so if i just post a shit ton of stuff all the time then i'm just going to have you know a better response on my social media no that is absolutely counterproductive don't do that always remember quality over quantity if you're posting something of quality 3 times a week it's going to give you way better results than posting bullshit stuff 3 times a day 7 days a week No one's going to want to sit there and see the same old garbage over and over again. Like, oh, these are the shoes that I'm wearing today, blah, blah, blah. Maybe once in a while, sure. But give people something of value, a reason to follow you. It can be something informative. It can be something comical. It can be you know, a personal look at your lifestyle or a behind-the-scenes look at you getting ready for a big tournament or anything that involves... A, a genuine look at who you are as a person that people can relate to. Um, because the more you do that and the, the more reason people are going to be interested in who you are, it gives a, a clear-cut answer to sponsors and to possible followers as to why the fuck should I follow you? Why should I care about who you are? Oh, well, because you're putting out quality content or you're putting out, you know, funny stuff that I like to see or things that I relate to. Now you're getting engagement and now you're giving another reason why sponsors are going to be like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. This girl knows what she's doing on social media. She's posting stuff up and is constantly having people come in. Oh, and she's also getting new followers every day. So that gives you worth. That gives something for people to constantly look for you're giving value to your posts and the more value that you have the more valuable you are to a sponsor and the more valuable you are for a sponsor to keep around because you're constantly going to be working so just sit back and kind of analyze those couple of things and see where you lay as far as your social media are you Properly showing people who you are. Are you really putting your name out there so it's constantly popping up? Um, Are you doing anything worthwhile? Anything that gives people a reason to follow? Are you posting things that are valuable to people? Are you posting stuff that gives people a reason to come back and look at some more? Start analyzing those things. I think you're going to see a huge, huge difference as to the responses you might get next time you reach out. For a sponsor. Now, don't think that all this stuff can be fixed overnight. It cannot. It's something that does take time, take a couple of weeks, take a couple of months to really establish yourself and really be active. And then go back and start reaching out to sponsors. Maybe go back and reach the sponsors that denied you before and say, you know, hey guys, I uh, just wanted to follow up again and see if you uh, uh, changed your mind about maybe sponsoring me, this, that, and the other. I've had such a growth on my social media. I think you guys would want to like really be a part of all this. That's a huge part of it. Now, I'll give you a last couple of tips on the little things that you can do and don't do that is going to help you just bring your, your marketing uh, around into a much more positive light and something that becomes more interesting for sponsors to, to work with you on. Number one, I can't stand that people fucking do this, and it bothers the shit out of me, and I've, it just automatically makes you look like your biggest fucking idiot. But if you are an athlete trying to get sponsored, trying to make waves in the scene, whether it's jiu MMA, or whatever other sport, unlock your Instagram. How are you going to get new fans if they have no fucking clue what you post and who you are? It makes no fucking sense. And if you're posting stuff up that you don't want anybody to see, that's on you, but you need to sit there and clean up your fucking act because there's no point in being active on social media if you're not being social. It's in the name, social media. You have to be open. You can't be private. There's no reason why someone's going to want to follow you or sponsor you, rather, if you don't give everybody access to it, okay? So you're... Instagram account has 500 people, and then you wonder why, oh, you know, I should have like 10,000 people following me. Well, fuckface, are you locked? Do people have a reason to follow you to begin with? No? Okay, fix it. Unlock your Instagram. Get rid of all the shit that you don't want people to see. Stop posting stuff that you don't want people to see. It makes no fucking sense if you're posting stuff online, but then you don't want people to see it. It's just stupid. Next, don't buy fake Likes. Don't fake it. You're going to feel like a fucking idiot when someone calls you out on it. I've had professional PR people tell me how they don't know shit about social media marketing, then admit to buying likes and follows, then have the nerve to tell their athletes that they are trending. So let me explain something to you guys real quick. If you have 80,000 followers, but your posts or tweets are only averaging like two to three likes or two to three retweets, or nobody's commenting on your posts, then you're full of shit and no one's going to believe you. You're not going to be authentic and someone's going to call you out on it. You've seen it on media tons of times. YouTube has cleaned people's likes and views tons of times because they end up buying fake ones. The last thing you want to be is called out for being fake because then you're just going to look like a fucking clown. Don't waste your money on that. If anything, go spend your money on other stuff that's gonna help your marketing, but don't fake it till you make it. It doesn't work that well on social media. Next, when you're contacting a sponsor or a possible sponsor, don't copy, paste your messages. This is no different than if you're going for a job interview or you're filling out a job application. Be sincere and work with the brands that you actually use or you feel that you can relate to because imagine if you do get a sponsorship and you actually have to use the product that the sponsor puts out, say like a protein shake. And now you have to drink this protein shake on the regular. And it turns out that there's protein shakes give you the mud butts. Well, guess what, buddy? You're going to have to take one for the team a lot and you're going to have to drink a lot of mud butt shakes. So, Work with the people that you want to work with. It's going to be more fun that way anyway. And then when they do send you stuff, you're going to be much more appreciative of it. You're not going to be like, oh, fuck, I just got a bunch of more protein bars, protein shakes, and I got to post this video. They're going to be super pissed off at me. Like, oh, better stock up on the toilet paper. Next, put in the work. Sponsors love athletes that go the extra mile. This makes you look more professional. Not only do you look more professional, But the more effort you put into it, the better you're going to get at understanding the business side of things, the marketing, the advertising, and how it works. If you're going to learn, you might as well be doing it with the house money. Do it with the sponsor's money. Don't do it with your money. It's going to be a lot more cost-effective that way. So not only that, but the fact that it makes you look more professional is attractive to other sponsors or would be sponsors if someone notices hey this athlete is doing a really good job with such and such a company you know maybe they'll be just as good with our company let's hit them up It's like, hey you know they're probably gonna reach out to you and say hey I like what you're doing with this one and we feel that you know you'd be a great uh, sponsor or a great athlete for our brand would you be interested you'll be surprised at how often that happens when you do things right Now, the other thing that you have to keep in mind, uh, sponsorships are just like relationships. They can always go bad. If a sponsor doesn't work out, do not talk shit about them online. Talking shit about an old sponsor makes you look like a ticking time bomb to any other future sponsor. If you're having money disputes with a sponsor, they mistreated you in a really bad way, Do what you can offline, all right? Keep your issues in-house and make sure to always keep records of every conversation in case something becomes a legal matter. It's not worth to make your stuff public, and a lot of people do that, and it makes no fucking sense to me. Look, if for whatever reason, let's say you've tried for the longest time to keep things just civil and this company is not answering you and you do have a big clout then by all means call them out let people know that like hey you know guys be careful when you're working with this company this is what they did to me i got screwed over or scammed i get it you have to be wary of how you do it um you know having social clout is great but you have to use it sparingly you don't want to sit there and constantly be trying to throw people under the bus because it makes you look like a dick and it's going to keep sponsors um away from you because they're going to be afraid it's like hey you know if we do the tiniest little thing wrong or they might not like something that we asked them to do they're going to flip out at us and that becomes a whole pr nightmare Uh, also be very careful if you do have large social clout that you don't send followers on a witch hunt Uh, you can get sued for libel and slander if you don't know the difference between the two get a fucking dictionary Uh, making threats Or telling people to attack someone else via social media can get you in a lot of shit. And it's happened to a lot of people the past couple of years. So don't be that person. Be very careful at the power that you could possibly hold when you're doing something through social media. Um, Learn the technology and apply it uh, using new social media trends. Hashtags are a great tool. But they can also backfire if you don't know what you're doing. Two to three hashtags a post is pretty good. Um, five and more is kind of pushing it. I get it. Sometimes it's funny to put like bullshit tags. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. Go for it. But don't be the one person that's just constantly using a thousand hashtags. It's just, it's just a pain in the ass. That's all. It doesn't really work out to your benefit in that way. Uh, next, splurge on a photo shoot once in a while. Save up your money, throw a couple of hundred bucks to a photographer, and get some photo shoots done the right way. Not everything has to be through the cell phone. You can do a lot with cell phone cameras now, but you know, don't hesitate to get a good photo shoot. They can work for you for a long time, and you can always edit them a little bit and reuse them, this, that, and the other. But it's, again, this is your business that you're trying to do. Invest in it. As a photographer, I can tell you a couple of things. Don't Ask for the wrong images from a photographer. They are not going to give it to you. And most likely, you don't even have the equipment to edit the photos the same way that a professional photographer is going to do. Um, If you do come to that agreement, that's between you and the photographer. Everybody does things differently. I never, ever give someone the raw images unless they pay out the ass for them. And after that, it's all on them. But that's just how I operate things. Uh, another thing as far as photography is concerned is if you retweet or regram or whatever a photo that somebody else took of you and you didn't pay for it don't be a dick give them photo credit all right if you do that you're gonna they're gonna be much more inclined to take more photos of you and post them up because they know hey this person's gonna Repost my stuff and they're gonna give me credit. So it's kind of you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours kind of thing I can tell you that if there's an athlete that is constantly Reposting my photos that I took of them and they don't give me the credit Chances are I am not gonna be posting any photo of them anytime soon again Or if I do post it, it's probably gonna be a photo that makes them look like a shitty athlete Like they're getting their ass kicked every time they step on the mat not trying to be a dick here, but let's be honest, you know, I help people out. Be a positive influence on the scene. If you like the photo that someone took of you, you know, you can even just write and say, Hey, can I have this photo? Or I'd be willing to pay for this photo? Or are you cool if I just share this photo and just give you credit? Contact them. Photographers love having their stuff put out there. Obviously you want to get paid, but there's always a way. Um, Finally and this I cannot stress this part enough. This is the last tip. I'm going to give you guys When you're dealing with your career and your marketing and your branding Nobody owes you shit listen to me Nobody owes you a fucking thing if you want it you work for it unfortunately most people think it's someone else's job to promote them but if you don't want to take the time to market yourself, promote yourself, learn the proper ways of marketing and branding yourselves, don't bitch and complain at the price tag of when you hire someone else to do it. And don't sit there and bitch of like, hey, why haven't you done anything for me? Unless you're paying someone for that, you have no room to bitch. It's your fucking career. It's your business. Your athletic career is your business. Do it right. But nobody owes you anything. The more you can approach people with that mindset of let's work together and let's see how we can help each other, the better off you're going to be. But if you're going to make rounds and people are going to know you as, oh, this is the dick that he thinks that everybody owes in the fucking world, you're probably going to be the the broke uh, jujitsu guy that's working at Starbucks and only getting a train once a day. So I hope that helps you guys a lot on your mind frame. Of what you need to do and how you need to approach the marketing, analyze your stuff. Feel free to send me a message if you have any questions. I'll help you out as much as I can. Obviously, I'm not going to give you a free consultation. There's tons of uh, social media professionals besides myself that can help you out and can do uh, things for you that'll help you better brand yourself. Even something as simple as photos, like I said, is going to be a huge thing. But the more professional that you can look, to a sponsor and the more serious you look to a sponsor the better chances you are to actually receiving a sponsorship that is worthwhile It is going to help you really have a successful career as maybe not a professional athlete or semi-pro but these are all little things that you can do just right off the bat to help you get a sponsorship so with that being said once again Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any questions, please let me know. Please take the time to share this podcast with your friends, whether they're jujitsu people or MMA people or uh, any other kind of athlete that you know would probably need help on what it takes to get a sponsorship. Please feel free to to share it with them. Don't forget to check out the playlist, uh, the Warpoint Industries Mixtape at warpointindustries.com. Uh, with Everlast and Be Real and a bunch of other guys. It's some pretty dope fucking hip-hop. Uh, a little more old school than the stuff that you hear nowadays. I prefer this style anyway, but you know, not knocking anybody else's style of music. Awesome music to roll to. If you guys have any questions, always feel free to hit me up on Instagram. Follow Jiu-Jitsu Radio on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will catch you next podcast